Mommy Track Daddy Whispers podcast is now called Birth Agni podcast. Welcome to Mommy Track Daddy Whispers podcast season 3. Uh, you know, you take your mom or your sister or somebody to go with you and will carry the baby and support. I think every time these kind of follow-ups should be done with your partner. Dry vagina. It may not be psychological, but your vagina can be so dry because you're breastfeeding. Hello, my name is Divya and we are back with yet another undiscussed topic, vaginismus. a fairly common condition which is usually hushed and pushed under the carpet creating a ripple around which getting the right care becomes difficult and hence here we are today with dr navedita manukaran who is popular by her instagram handle dr live and taboos and has been working to create awareness about sexual health issues as well as creating a more sex positive atmosphere let's dive deeper into our conversation Hi Dr. Nivedita so good to see you good morning Hi thank you so much for having me Devya Dr. Nivedita you have been working as a clinician in sexual and reproductive health and HIV medicine for almost 11 years now and I was going through all the podcasts you've been on and the stuff on your website and you know the irony there was that um, you wanted to pursue dermatology and it was a combination course it uh, it turned out to be um, you started working in this space when you went to australia so what changed from india to australia what changed was i discovered something that i did not get and i discovered something which is so important and i was i was starting to feeling so important being a part of a healthcare system which is so tabooed and people are so silent and shy about it and there's a lot of shame that goes along with sex not just in india but also in western countries i think we assume that people are okay to have sex but honestly the word sex un- i don't know how unfortunately throughout the world i think goes around with some kind of judgment or some kind of embarrassment and also because i think it's a personal space So I felt really good being able to be that trust-winning, trustworthy person in somebody else's, you know, personal space and I think that kind of fed me into I like this and I thought, you know, this is what I should have had as a youngster growing up in India and I kind of almost regretted that my venereology degree that I qualified from India probably should have had this as a training. You know, this is how I should have been trained. and i also had this guilty element which kind of felt like i never asked any of the teenagers or anybody you know who appeared unmarried or less than a certain age the right questions i never asked i was never taught to ask the right question in fact i would be diagnosing um sti right and i think that kind of made me feel very guilty that 
how many STIs have you diagnosed in probably a young person and did not ask them if it was consensual sex that they were having, did not ask them if they have a partner that needs treatment, didn't ask them, what is your contraception? Do you need something in place or are you okay? So all these things, when I was taught, when I came here, actually took my breath away. And I thought that is such an important part of everybody's life, whether it's man or woman, right? Sex is such an important part and I was absolutely fascinated and I thought I should do something different. I thought, okay, let's do this. And that's how, you know, like I tell people 11 years down the lane, I'm still here doing the same job with absolute passion, absolutely love it. And I was looking for an opportunity to actually come to, you know, India and uh, how do I give it back to the country that I've missed out kinds. But then I think COVID was like a blessing in disguise. Uh, where it started making me realize that how people are, you know, using, you know, social media platform for actually education and how I start, like we are doing everything, working from home and teaching is happening from home. Universities are run from home. So I kind of thought that's nice because I can do it from wherever I am. Doesn't matter where home is uh, <laughs> really, isn't it? So, yeah, so that's, that's how it all started and that's how it's all going. And yeah. Um, um, the, my, my folly, I when I did not, you know, study about you, I thought you're in India, because all the, uh, you know, uh, knowledge from you that I see on YouTube and all all other places, I thought you you're in India. But when I started reading on your website about you, I was like, yes, you're in Australia. That's why, you know, the time we had to choose. Time different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I try. I push myself up to I think almost 11 p.m. at night. But sometimes I think it demands that I have to be there at 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Oh uh, and I fail. I should say I fail a lot of the times. I just don't do it because, you know, I do have a real job as well and I have children to raise. So it kind of gets really on the way. Yeah, I think prioritizing yourself is actually winning uh, somewhere on, along the way. It's actually True. prioritizing stuff. in The balance. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Dr. Nivedita, you must be seeing uh, patients. We, we are discussing vaginismus today. And you must be seeing patients with this condition in your clinic. Is, is that? Yeah, like we see a lot. Pain during sex, we see a lot. That it's almost funny how a lot of the women think that it's normal. A lot of the women think that that's how it's meant to be because I think sex is painful for women. They almost start believing that, that that's normal for them. So that's how common it is, actually. When I was going through a lot of forums, there was this... Um, one of the questions that was on one of the forums was that I'm having sex for the first time. I know it's supposed to be painful. That's what I know from people around me. Um, but I've also read about vaginismus. Um, so is it that there was a lot of confusion and a lot of the forums also said it's just psychological. It's just in your head. We'll get better with time. Um, and w- one of uh, the comments was also that since you know va- about vaginismus, you might be suspecting that you have it, you might be manifesting. So I was very wary of, um, you know, when we put this information out for the listeners to not start manifesting something they do not have, yet know exactly how to assess what is vaginismus. And if they have it, they should definitely find a cure because like you said, sex doesn't have to be painful as it is. So um, what is vaginismus uh, in the first place and how does one assess if they have it? Wow, I think that's very important what you've just brought up. And I think I'm going to start off, like you said, everything that you've said exists and each one of it is different. And that is what I want to address. 
So like you said, when the first time people are having sex, let's just say, and they are worried that it's going to be painful, they almost expect it to be painful. I always tell people, you have to remember, sex is pleasurable. Sex is joyous and sex is always nice when it is consensual and when you actually like someone. When I say like someone, I think love is an overstatement because you don't have to be in love with the person because if you're going to have casual sex, you actually, you know, spoke to someone that evening and you're going to end up having sex that night, which does happen these days, you still have an attraction element to the person. You still have a consent that you want to do the act, you know, and that is very, very, very important. I mean, I can't emphasize on it enough because when you actually willingly wanting to do it, you actually attracted to this person. There are a lot of hormones that's already geared up within yourself that is kind of easing everything that you have, including your vaginal muscles, getting your vaginal discharge ready, you know, and kissing or holding hands or foreplay. All of these things play a very, very important role before someone gets into having sex. And I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, when people are put to probably, you know, sexual assault or abuse, and that was the first time, and that is how penetration happened, then yes, it is can be terribly painful. And then yes, it leaves you with the mental trauma as well. And your body kinds of shut down and then causes what is vaginismus because it doesn't allow anything to come in because the first time the experience has been not only physically painful, but also mentally painful. Uh, so that is how vaginismus happens. It does not necessarily have to be sexual assault or rape. It could be something that you didn't want or like. Like, for example, it could be an accident that you hurt yourself so hard, you know, in your genital area that, you know, it, it, it was traumatizing. Or it could be a vaginal examination, which you were had to do, or there was some pain or bleeding, or somebody had to examine vaginally, which caused a lot of grief. So there could be anything that caused pain down there in your vagina. That then led to a traumatic experience, both physically and mentally, and then that leads to vaginismus. That is different to the initial discomfort someone has when they are starting to have sex. And like I told you, if there is physical attraction, if there is consent, if there is a lot of foreplay, and I always slide this in, if there is a lot of lubrication, you know, if you don't have use a lubricant because it's so good to have it just slippery and slimy because it doesn't hurt. It's good to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so if you've got all this happening, yes, it could be a little bit uncomfortable because it's a feeling that you're having for the first time during your debut, but definitely there is more pleasure element than discomfort or pain element. So I think that's what you have to understand when you're going through your sexual debut. And then your vaginismus is different. So vaginismus is basically your body and your vaginal muscles and everything contracting and shutting down and saying that was a painful experience, no more. So that is vaginismus and that is really painful sex where your muscles are just not relaxing and people are not able to penetrate and it's extremely painful and it's awful. And I always tell people, because they're reading a lot about vaginismus, like you said, 
Um, there are two things. One is you're assuming or you're self-diagnosing yourself. You know, anything that happens, there's a bit of a pain. People are like, oh, I Googled it. And painful sex is you're going to have words like vaginismus, valvodynia, dyspareunia, and, you know, all these things. And then, of course, Google just says that you have all of this, right? Yeah. So I always tell people, if you've got some symptoms and you're concerned, the best person to actually diagnose you, even if you have vaginismus, is probably your doctor. You know, because there are so many causes for vaginal pain, like you can have really dry vagina, which needs a lot of lubrication. You can have sensitive skin uh, around the vulval area, which leads to cuts and stuff when you're having sex, which can again lead to pain. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, vaginismus. Uh, you can have some infection that, you know, like thrush or yeast that makes it really like dry and red and itchy could lead to painful sex. So there are 1 billion things which could actually make your sex uncomfortable or painful. So it's good to see a doctor, you know, have her examine as to, I can do a swab for thrush. I can look at the outside skin to see if there's any cuts or bruises. So I can do all medical things to rule out that there is no medical cause for that pain. And then we address as to what happened or what's happened in the past. And, you know, I talk them into seeing a psychologist and then I refer them off to see two important people. One is your pelvic floor physiotherapist, which is very, very important part of vaginismus. And second is your psychologist uh, or psychiatrist, depending on how, you know, your trauma or what has been in the past and what you need and stuff like that. So I start off with psychologists and encourage them to do that and then see a physiotherapist as well, where you have to start doing, you know, exercises that relax, use products that lubricate a bit more, all of that. So it's a kind of an effort. Um, and yes, and that's how we work towards vaginismus. Yeah, thank you so much. I had this question uh, written uh, for me that... Sorry, I think I just summarized everything in the one answer. We can definitely um, elaborate on, uh, you know, on a lot of these things. Um, yeah. Thank you. So it's important to have those hints right there. And um, so um, vaginismus can be anatomical. It can be purely psychological or it can be a mix of both. And it's a gray area. Um vaginismus is a lot of the time uh, so vaginismus can be divided into primary and secondary vaginismus definitely so primary vaginismus is there is it's not possible to penetrate even the first time up nothing even happened like you know how i'm talking about something has happened that has led to the you know pain there could be primary vaginismus where nothing has happened like that but then everything is contracted and tried tight and nothing is going in first up and and that could be I think when you say anatomical, I think you're trying to say physiological, a normal thing without any pathology behind it. And yes, that could happen that way. And that we have to, like I said, look at it, what's going on, examine, see if it's like anatomically, if things are narrow or if there's any kind of tightening, then work on loosening and stuff like that. And the secondary vaginismus is the one that I have spoken about where something has happened that is traumatic. And then this happens secondary to it, which is a lot of the times psychological than physiological or pathological. And it also goes into a cycle. So if you have anatomical uh, um, 
vaginismus and it was very painful very very bad it might put you on a on a cycle of not Secondary. wanting yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it can it can absolutely because the first time you tried and nothing went in and the second time you want to try you think it's going to hurt it's going to be awful uh yeah it's it's a lot of work you know i feel like it's a team effort you need a sexual health specialist or a gynecologist to examine you and make a, reassure you and tell you that it's okay i've had a look and stuff and then you also need a psychologist to go through what's going on and then you also need a pelvic floor therapist or pelvic floor physiotherapist who's going to work through all those muscles and relax and it's kind of like a stimulus that they work on you know the vaginal muscles and telling your brain that it's not going to be that painful and they let you do you know there are uh uh dilators that are available there are beads that are available which you know they let you use it yourself slowly kind of making you feel like you're in control of what is going in or how much is going in because sometimes when traumatic things happen it's all about you had no control over it and that could be really like you know painful so it's very important to start taking control and start feeling like you're doing it you're allowing things to go in in the pace like how you want and then gradually you know easing you up relaxing and also it's very important that now you're doing it with someone who understands this you know who's not getting frustrated with this and who's being a part of it who's happy to still you know do the foreplay or kiss you or do all of that that kind of is a part of therapy uh where your vaginismus will ease ease up instead if you're having someone who is being I don't know uh rude to you or dismissive of your feelings or what's happening in your body or not understanding and that doesn't help that only traumatizes you or stresses you even more um in which case it can get really hard in relationships so it's a very important partner support then helping you through this is very very important right and um a lot of uh, dilators these days are available online on a lot of these forums people are like use this dilator go like that is it okay to get things online and try it yourself is is there a home method to working on it or you would always always suggest to have a combination of a physiotherapist and a psychologist so that you know it it is said that it can be a painful procedure to um release yourself from vaginismus true look i i'm a person who believes in support system uh you know i am not someone who shuts myself down and tries to figure it all out myself uh so i am big on reaching out uh like for example if you're reaching out like when people reach out to me for vaginismus we give them like information and links on where there is vaginismus support group where there are other women who are actually talking about it and the other women can talk about techniques that probably worked for them and this person can use it too you know all kind of things so i feel like support is not just seeing a doctor or not just seeing a physiotherapist there's more to just you know there's more to support but at the same time if you are going to buy products online i understand and you know and you're going to use i always recommend people to start and be a little bit more sensible rather than just explore big size things and you know big toys and big stuff rather than dilators probably masturbation is actually a really you know good thing that women can do for themselves uh, to ease them up both in terms of sexual feeling and in terms of the vaginal muscles or whatever so you can start off honestly with your finger 
you don't have to invest in dilators because you have you seen a dilator it pretty much looks like a finger and then possibly as big as a penis <laughs> that's pretty much what it is exactly so you can honestly start off with slowly using you know a good lubricant and a finger to start putting a finger in and see if then one finger goes in you can start with two you know you honestly that's a very both masturbation or dilating or whatever that is you're doing it's great to do doing it with your own fingers you know mm-hmm. so you don't have to invest in something i would at least get an opinion and suggestion from whatever whoever it is your doctor can tell you that you know these dilators are good i want you to buy these two sizes try this one with the lubricant then you do you know your doc- doctor might be good enough and she might feel comfortable or he might feel comfortable to be able to explain how to do that and that might be enough uh, i always tell people rather than you know doing invasive things and googling and going with internet go and reach out because reaching out even if it was just for the one time reaching out is very important because honestly all the healthcare professionals that i'm talking about now have spent years in specializing what we do it's slightly different to google i'm sure uh so yeah so this is so that's me i personally would do that for myself i'm not someone who will google or buy anything online you know when it comes to me or my children there's always another doctor that we go to and get advice and care and i might know i might know it's a ear infection and he needs an antibiotic i will totally know it but i definitely always take him you know to get the opinion and get proper prescriptions from another person rather than me trying to scribble stuff for people so yeah, yeah so that's sense. just me yeah yeah that, that absolutely makes sense so uh, all the doctors have their own practice set you know their own um, you know periphery of practice so um so if a, do- if a doctor is referring you to somebody i think that is a good way of assessing that he absolutely. or she is a good doctor because you know when absolutely. it goes out of the periphery they're sending you to someone else it should yeah yeah i think it's a skill you know doctors need to know what is my skill and when it is going par my skill i have to stop and refer out so yeah yeah so another thing uh, which was on my mind was um that like you mentioned a lot of partner support is required a lot of emotional support is required there were cases of people not going out to anybody speaking about it because they were shamed they felt guilty they were like this has to be like it some <clears throat> i'm sorry there has there is a problem with me and it's just me there's nobody else so these support groups out there on different social media platforms are absolutely bliss when you see so many people have it you're like it's not me it can be so many people so it it's it's not just you know i don't have to be ashamed of it it's it's a part of my body i have to accept it sexual health education is such a taboo such a taboo how do you think one should approach the situation especially when it comes to so when it comes to a uh, partner support and you know family support um you know sisters and all the people that are comfortable with what do you think uh, how should one approach the situation i think that's where your professionals come in place so like i said what i do is i am probably examining you and clinically making sure there's no lumps bumps cuts or nothing you know uh anatom like physiological anatomical that's there that is blocking or giving the pain and no stis and stuff i'm doing all of that and once i've done that i do refer people to the psychologist and our psychologist here always do like it's because it's stis there's always another person involved and we have to understand that and not many people have like you said great knowledge about stis or education so we always involve the partner in education we always do 
especially when people come with you know diagnosis of herpes or blood tests for herpes and both of everybody's freaking out that do I have herpes and every you know we have such long sessions both to the partner about what this means because a lot of the times it's relationship saving honestly uh, we save relationships with these kind of counseling i mean i know people say why can't we just no no because it's it's a big thing and similar way like with vaginismus when we have a person and a partner who has no knowledge about it they might have a beautiful relationship which we definitely don't want to get spoiled because you know the sexual life is a little bit strained at the moment a lot of the people i think in india especially might say well sex is not everything and uh, you know what partners can still like each other well let me be let me be honest uh, i don't know about sex being everything but it is definitely a very very important big thing i don't know how many people are in denial about this yes yes you can absolutely love someone without it but if it's someone that you need or in the beginning of your you know reproductive life or sexual life it is very very important it is important for your relationship the dynamics the mental health um and that's why you know i emphasize partner understanding what's going on and trying to work towards it accepting yeah we want to have sex we want to have pleasurable sex and accepting it rather than you know coming up with stuff like oh sex is not oh yeah of course it is it's very important uh and we all know it we are a country of a billion yeah so i don't know what people, so i don't know what people are talking about when they say sex is not i'm like oh sure it is um and i think that's where that's where it's it. sorry sorry what were you saying i was saying also respect so sometimes yeah. you know like secondary vaginismus is also after you've delivered it was a painful birth and um, a lot of women refrain from because they've undergone a lot of changes yeah. in their body trauma no the pain is horrendous yeah it is and uh, respect is very important because it frees you it allows you to go out of your own inhibitions and maybe try so sometimes when it's just in your brain um and a partner is supportive is like okay i'll wait for it if you Absolutely. like no and i think that is why partner education is important you know when a, like you said when we're talking about when women have had babies when you go back for follow up to see your you know gynecologist or something usually uh you know you take your mom or your sister or somebody to go with you and we carry the baby and support i think every time these kind of follow ups should be done with your partner because it's very important because he might have some questions as well or he might want to know as well i mean i know both men or women can hesitate to ask your doctor as to you know when can we have sex but that's a very important question and it's good for you or the doctor herself to address it in front of both of you because like you said with you know men understanding or uh trying to be supportive to their partner is important and if they don't know if they don't have the knowledge we can't just blame them or we can't just say you should have understood how are they supposed to know they don't know these things probably they are first time fathers as well so rather than you know assuming and blaming that this is what men should do i think educating them and making them inclusive of what is happening is important and and that is why i think i mean it's it's amazing here because they do it all the time Yeah every time you go for your gynecology consultation or obstetrics consultation your partner goes in the partner is there throughout your labor you know he just sees how painful you know it could be and then your partner goes for follow up appointments as well to say it's going to take some time she's got a tear or she's got sutures down there you know and stuff like that and after that women have to go back and tell the gynecologist 
I'm not enjoying it anymore because it's still painful. Because if it is, sometimes you can have a dry vagina. It may not be psychological, but your vagina can be so dry because you're breastfeeding. It could be like dry, you know, and honestly, people think what's happening. My wound is healed, you know, and why is it still hurting? It's still hurting because it's dry ass. And sometimes it could just be a matter of throw a bottle of lubrication down there and you'll be fine. You know, sometimes it may be some estrogen creams down there. So things like that. So addressing it is important. You know, I always tell people this is so common. People are out there all the time and there are so many of us who are there to support you. So if you don't go and reach out and ask, you probably are not fixing yourself very soon, are you? Yeah, and the trauma of trying to figure out things yourself and going yeah. through all the layers of uh, guilt, yeah. shame and no matter what. You know, and also, let me tell you, you're doing this in the middle of complete sleep deprivation and breastfeeding. You know, you're like, you're trying to figure this out when you probably have hardly had any sleep with the baby. Like, to be honest, you know, go easy on yourself. You know, we guys are here to help you. So just, just come and ask and we probably will throw some two cents worth yeah. into making your life easier. Yeah, definitely. And this listener, when she reached out to me, um, she sent me some pictures of when she was talking on different forums, when she was able to figure something out for herself. So many partners reached out to her saying, I think my partner has it. We did not know this exists, but it has been years and I think my partner has it. What did you do? Where did you go? And a lot of acceptance. Sex is such a huge taboo. It's on all layers of our foundation. When, um, you know, the couple reached yep. out to a doctor, they were shamed for, um, you know, it's, it's just in your head. Yeah, it's in your head. Yeah. Why do you think yeah. it's, 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 it's a problem at all? Just, just go back your home. Why are you reading about pelvic floor health and all of that? It was very disheartening. Dismissive, uh, yeah. 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 And to be able to find uh, the right people, I think online forums are great. And to reach out to people, like you said, to reach out to somebody who was able to figure out for themselves, who was able to find the right doctor, you can approach that doctor. And that way it will help you not go through, you know, the countless number of uh, shaming circles that are out there. So definitely very, very important, Dr. Nivedita. Um, I mean, can I just mention that, you know, like if I were in India, finishing my venereology, I would be one of those doctors, wouldn't I? I would be one of those people who didn't ask the right questions. And I would be probably be one of those people thinking, what is the big deal? I mean, so what if you're not having sex for six months? What's all this about? You know, I probably will be one of those people. And I think that is why educating, you know, we talk about educating children. We talk about educating, you know, I think doctors need to be educated as well. We are not taught that way in our medical school, unfortunately. I know, I mean, I know we are expecting our doctors should know this, you know, they shouldn't be judgmental, but you should understand doctors also are humans who are also grown in the same cultural background as any of you are. So we doctors in India actually read our text upside down and we are very good in our clinical skills let me tell you i mean our diagnosis is spot on our treatment is absolutely fantastic but what we are also raised is we are raised with the same cultural background we are raised with the same which says sex is wrong or oh my god if somebody's having sex their morale is not right we are raised in a way where we are connecting people's sexual needs with their morale all yeah. the time and yes and i think as humans, they need to be taught as well. 
So I always tell people we should bring in curriculum where we're trying to teach doctors who are first line healthcare professionals sitting there to change their attitude in the first place. You know, when you see a 16 year old with a wart or something like that in the genital area, well, you it's not your business to judge her whether she's having sex or not because she's 16, her hormone surge is probably really high. So you just have to accept it and your job is probably to ask the right questions, you know? And doctors, I don't blame them because they're not taught that. They probably are thinking about their 16 year old at home and freaking out and thinking, oh my God, if 16 year old people are getting STIs, I'm worried about my daughter. Well, you shouldn't be because she's probably also having sex. So you should probably give her a condom and do a pap smear, um, you know, uh, and get, you know, and get the HPV vaccine going and running. So I think even doctors are human, so they need education. And I really, you know, want to say that, yes, we are all disappointed that it's not a very, you know, uh, sex positive or sex friendly medical atmosphere at the moment but i'm hoping eventually we all are getting taught doctors are getting taught in medical school about attitude about culture about what they need to ask people is are you having sex or not are you married do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so these things are very important and i really want to say that yes there's lack of education but lack of education everywhere right yeah definitely and personal biases as well like you said it's it's a whole lot of work on the person not just in yeah. terms of you know the resources that they have the knowledge yeah. yeah yeah right do you think uh, the way our generation has been taught about sexual health through pornography and everything also comes into play in not understanding what's what your body is saying what's real what's absolutely Absolutely, yes. And I think for a generation which has learned sex from pornography or which have, you know, I, this is my very famous quote. I tell people you have to remember your pornography is like watching Avengers. You cannot watch Avengers and then expect to fly off buildings and throw webs and, and smash things. And, you know, you honestly cannot do that because you have to understand number one, Avengers is a movie. All the people are actors and they all are, there's graphics that is involved, there's coloring, there's makeup. And this movie that lasted for an hour and a half was probably shot for a year and a half. So that performance that happened in front of you did not happen in an hour, did it? So this is exactly what you have to think when you're watching pornography, because people who are in pornography are actors. Uh, and they are probably physically bulking them up and the way they look, the way they are dressed, there's so much makeup, there's touch up, there's filters and there is breaks and the movie is shot over days. Nobody is performing like that for two and a half. Nobody is performing like that, you know, and the way people's skin looks touched up the way you know, somebody's genital area, all pink, all white, all, no, no, that's not even normal. For an adult who's been having, you know, two thighs in between your genital, you know, where your genital is, and you're not going to have a white color uh, genital area. What are you talking about? So, so the whole thing that showed that it's all pink and clean and, you know, all of that, you have to understand is a movie and that is not how sex works in real life, clearly. So, and I think that is where, 
sex education or even watching, you know, um, legal pornography is very, very important uh, because that is more natural. And like I said, sex is a natural instinct, honestly, you know, so you just have to go with your body and your mind and, and it works. You just have to loosen up a little bit, not be too stiff about it. And do not definitely try to produce what the pawn produced because you are not an Avenger. And you are not going to be fly off buildings. You have to understand this. You're not going to perform like the guy. And even the size of the penises, you know, I have a lot of patients who are like, what is the normal size? Why? It's all about size. And honestly, guys, I mean, yes, some people have larger than others. Some people have thicker than others. Yes. But they're all a normal variant in variety. Like, you know, again, not looking at pornography and, and six to nine inch long and constantly like that for two and a half hours is, is just unnatural. It doesn't work that way. So I think yeah, we need to yeah. learn so much. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, Dr. Nivedita, we've, we've learned all about vaginismus, how to approach it, how to get it diagnosed, work towards your healing, um, towards your mental health, etc. Before we let you go, there, there's a whole lot of um, sexual health awareness that we all need to undergo. Are there some books you would recommend uh, for our listeners to just for sexual health awareness. Look, I mean, there are some really good books out there for like sex education for children these days. And, you know, you can find them even in Audible. Uh, there are really nice sex ed books. And I think sex ed books are different to sexual health books. And I personally, I mean, and there are a lot of sexual health textbooks and a lot of things that, you know, talk about sexual health. But for a common man without any sexual health, you know, big jargons, uh, purely, you know, explaining what, sexual health is or what you need to look for or what you know I, I don't think there is a book like that yet which probably is a very important thing it's probably a good thing to do uh, and I guess yeah. we should look into this one but uh, I'm, I mean I might be wrong but what I personally use is we like you know sexual health clinics and family planning here we all have a lot of fact sheets um, that is written in a layman's term like in a common man's term and we tend to hand out those fact sheets. So if you're looking, like honestly, if people want to know about sexual health, Family Planning New South Wales, that is fpa.nsw.org. And that's an absolutely fantastic website where you can get a lot of information about sexual health. So definitely that's something that I would recommend is Family Planning Australia website. And it's amazing, amazing amount of sexual health, reproductive health, STIs, contraception name it so yeah definitely feel free to go into one of those websites and have a read thank you so much dr nivedita for giving us your time and for letting us know everything about vaginismus and helping spread awareness thank you so much thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure thank you That was all we could garner for today's episode. I hope you liked it. An important aspect of today's episode is that this was requested by a listener who felt it was safe enough to speak to us and share their story and request to bring this out for other listeners too to bring more awareness. If this podcast has created an impact that has been close to your heart, do reach out to us and tell us how else we could serve you. Thank you. You could also follow Dr. Nivedita on her Instagram handle, Dr. Naive Untaboos. Pregnancy series is back where we discuss 
what is birth health in the next episode and the coming seasonal episode is about children dental health with dr pooja stay with us for more